When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Alex Kennedy Podcast, which is part of the Basketball News Podcast Network. This is episode number 26, and there's a ton of stuff to talk about around the NBA right now. Free agency starts on Monday, and there's trade rumors popping up left and right. To help me break down all of the offseason rumors, I'm joined by Jake Fisher, a great writer for Bleach Report, who also wrote the book Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Jake, thanks for joining me. How are you? Doing well, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm doing great. I, I want to say you know, we were just talking a little bit before we started recording here, but you've been doing amazing work recently, and I do want to shout that out. Uh, it's been awesome to see you breaking news and and you know putting all these credible rumors out at Bleacher Report in addition to your book. Uh, so congratulations on everything you've been doing recently. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely I talked to over 300 people for that book, and I've been covering the league for eight years now, and Bleacher Report kind of asked to push me into this different space and trying to trying to cover the league through this kind of rumors kind of like financial marketplace type coverage of like the NBA as an ecosystem in terms of the team building strategy which I think it just come to light now with all these players feeling you know more than empowered rightfully so but obviously also that dynamic has been causing a lot of you know the stress in the market in certain markets that teams are trying to either contend or decide whether to rebuild. So I think all these inflection points, all these front offices are facing is why the news right now is flying more than ever. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's talk about some of that news. Uh, we'll get to free agency in a second, but I do want to start with Bradley Beal, that situation. Uh, you wrote a great article for Bleacher Report kind of about, you know, his that he's considering his options and considering a trade demand. Uh, the Russell Westbrook trade to Los Angeles certainly uh, makes things interesting now. Uh, is there any update on his future or anything you're hearing about how his decision was impacted by that Westbrook move? Well, I think the reason, one of the factors I, I felt like compelled to bring that story out on that Saturday, I guess that was yeah the week before the draft, um, you know, a consistent theme of, of the word I was hearing was that Bradley Beal's consideration of his own situation and status with Washington was being heavily influenced by Russell Westbrook considering his own, you know, situation as well. Like it would be wrote in that first story. And it was very similar. It seemed to what was happening with Russ and Houston a year ago with James Harden, where he knew he got wind that Harden was considering an opportunity to go to Brooklyn and he was hearing that Bradley Beal was more than now more than ever with this last year remaining on his contract, considering playing outside of the nation's, the nation's capital. So Russ kind of preempted him. He, he formally did request the trade from what I was told now. I, I got that confirmed. And um, 
you know, this Lakers situation evolved pretty quickly. Um, it sounds like when they really came back to the table to negotiate it on Thursday afternoon before the draft. So it'll be interesting to see how that domino comes coming off the portable impact. This, this growing point guard carousel, you know, that we wrote about yeah. uh, today on Saturday being that the Lakers were definitely going to be in the running for Kyle Lowry. And then now takes, you know, one of those spots off the board for Lonzo Ball potentially too. Also the Spencer Dinwiddie's of the world. Kyle Lowry, you know, was clearly going to be someone the Lakers considered. Now that kind of opens the door for Miami, Philadelphia, maybe New Orleans continues to be rumored and same with Dallas too. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like the reason we're hearing so much about some of these trade targets, guys like Beal or even like Damian Lillard, some of the big names is because with this free agent class, it is a bit weaker. You know, the guys that are uh, atop the class aren't necessarily superstars uh, like some years. So I think there's a lot of if you're a team that wants to you know make a big move, you're looking at kind of the trade market. So before we get into some of those free agency decisions and things that are coming, who are some teams to watch in the Beal sweepstakes? You know, there've been a lot of rumors and everything. And uh, if he does request that trade, who are you kind of paying attention to uh, that could be making an offer for Beal? Well, I mean, I I do think it's important to stress that I I don't think a trade is going to be coming anytime soon. Like by all accounts, him and KCP are very close friends and are looking forward to playing with each other. You know, the Spencer Dinwiddie dynamic, who knows the reality of what that can be. Um, you know, there's starting to be speculation on how legitimate that buzz has been. Um, but I think also, you know, Bradley Beal wants to be the guy in Washington to to get this thing. But not saying in like an ego sense, but he takes pride in, in being, you know, the person to take the franchise that gave him a shot. To, just like Giannis did with Milwaukee, right? He's kind of looking for that Giannis, that dirt type moment. So I think he's happy with the situation where they've got some reinforcements now and more opportunities. So I, I think, you know, because so, so, so for that, just that being said, like how long it will take for Bradley Beal to become available again, potentially, like let's say it's, you know, even at the earliest this upcoming trade deadline, which again, I doubt, I fully expect he's going to sign the Supermax um, next summer and remain in Washington even further. Again, that could, that could all happen. That could all change. This is all a fluid. These are all people who have emotions and you know interest with their personal lives and their business lives outside of basketball. But at this point, I think Bradley Beal will stick around in Washington for a bit here. And but but that Lakers deal, like we said, is, is going to set the tone now for the next you know reactions from other contenders around the league. Interesting. So yeah, I mean, getting away from maybe some source stuff or or your own reporting, which again has been great. I'm curious if you had to predict, just speculate. Who do you think is the next star player that gets traded then? If you feel like Beal maybe stays long-term in Washington, obviously we mentioned Lillard, he's being talked about. You know, it doesn't even have to be one of those superstar level players. Like a Russell Westbrook was a big enough trade. That was a blockbuster. Who's the next star that you could see getting traded? Well, I think Ben Simmons is clearly, you know, the name that is out there the most. Um, Pascal Siakam's name continues to float around too in trade discussions. Um, again, that's not to say that Pascal Siakam is likely to be traded. I think it's far more likely that Ben Simmons has moved before uh, training camp begins. Uh, I think I think there's motivation and interest on both sides of Ben Simmons and the Sixers uh, in, in seeing that through. Um, and, I, and I think him not playing in Australia kind of also for Australia, excuse me, kind of also showcases how he's doing this offseason. It's it's one that I think is going to be quiet and, and one that I don't think he hopes ends in going back to training camp in a situation where him and, and a lot of the fan base and management 
uh, don't necessarily want to see him back there. So I, I do think that trade will happen at a certain point. Um, but again, the, the, the Damian Lillard dominoes, which I, I think is unlike Bradley Beals, there's still, you know, a possibility that Dame comes back from Tokyo. And I'm not saying it's likely, but it's, it certainly is possible. He comes back from Tokyo and looks at the roster, which he's been on the record saying he does not feel was good enough to compete for a championship. If he comes back and sees a similar makeup, you know, there is an opportunity for him to, to request, you know, to play elsewhere. So that's something that Daryl Morey is fully aware of from, you know, from everyone I've spoken to. I mean, obviously he should be, if he's not, then, then he probably wouldn't be, you know, considered to be the, the executive that he is. So with that in mind, I think the, the concept of potentially moving Ben Simmons before Dave Lillard makes his trade request would be pretty gut-wrenching for someone like that. Yeah. So we'll go through some of these names in a second. Last thing here, what's the storyline or situation that you're most interested in following over the next few weeks? You know, it can be free agency related, trade related. What do you kind of have your eyes on? I mean, it's definitely free agency. And I think the Kyle Lowry situation is the most interesting by far. I mean, New Orleans clearly, clearly, clearly is trying to pursue him. They've made it very interesting. They want to pursue him. And I think um, the press conference, the tone of the press conference they had introducing Willie Green the day after um, the trade that David Griffin, his front office pulled off with Memphis, moving Stephen Adams' contract and Eric Bledsoe's. I think they projected a confidence that they think they've got an opportunity to really upgrade this roster now with the, the wiggle room they've created. So, you know, I think that's a moment that, you know, would really be punctured by bringing in Kyle Lowry and you have Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas who, you know, at least on the surface provides some, some three point shooting and some more spacing to, to you know, pair with Zion and the young shooters and, and guards that, that you got on that roster um, you know, the Jackson Hayes situation is unfortunate and we'll, and we'll see what comes of that. You know, I, um, I, I wonder how that will impact everything moving forward, but you know, we'll see. Um, and then from there, the other side of the Kyle Lowry dynamic is the Miami rumors have always been there and, and the Jimmy Butler connection and Dallas is in hot pursuit. And again, the Daryl Morey Kyle Lowry connection will be real and, and the interest on at least Philadelphia side. And I think, I think Kyle Lowry is as well to go back to his hometown, to go back to where he played his college ball at Villanova and reunite with the general manager who traded for him and made him a starter back in Houston. And I think that's an opportunity that, that they're, you know, all parties involved are interested in too. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what happens with Lowry. There's just so many teams that have popped up as, as possible suitors. You know, you went through them there, you know, the Pelicans, Mavs, Heat, Sixers could be in play. Uh, you wrote something in your article, uh, which is great. Again, the free agency notebook that you wrote, it was fantastic. You said that the team that offers the most guaranteed money in the third year may ultimately be the one that gets him. I think that's interesting. Uh, so something to note there, you know, at his age, it makes sense that he'd want as much, you know, long-term stability as he can get. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, now let's talk to you through some of these, uh, you know, free agencies, other situations that are out there. Um, one, I want to ask you about the New York Knicks because they obviously have the most cap room, uh, $50 million, or they can get the $50 million pretty easily. There was a report by Ian Begley that the Knicks may hold off on signing any long-term contracts and instead keep their flat, uh, cap flexibility so they can make a run at, you know, Bradley Beal or Zach Levine or one of these big free agents uh, that are stars, you know, next offseason. Does that line up with what you're hearing about New York's plans, uh, you know, that they could try to keep that flexibility? I'm sure it's an option they're considering, especially a narrative that, you know, would be nice 
when if they strike out, right? I mean, narrative is a dangerous word, and I'm I'm honestly I'm I'm disappointed in myself that I used it. Um, but you know, I think when you, when you canvass people around the league right now, no one really knows what the Knicks are up to, and I, I think that's also because the Knicks don't really know what they're up to yet. I think there's a lot of options they're considering and and hoping to explore and see what happens when the market you know officially opens on Monday. But I think that they're they're not. I mean, their name just does not come up with Kyle Lowry at all. And, you know, there's this boogeyman like DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, they reunite and go to New York together, kind of, you know, whispered pipe dream. I think that's out there, which, you know, maybe it happens. It could. But when you really talk about Kyle Lowry's dynamic, no one truly mentions New York as a serious contender these days. It was something that, you know, was talked about a lot back on the deadline is maybe like a one year, 30 million or a one plus one type situation to get him there. But now there's situations like New Orleans and Dallas and Miami who are clearly getting ready to offer three-year type situations. So I think it's, um, uh, he, his dynamic is the one, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to right now the most. You mentioned DeMar DeRozan. Uh, his situation is so interesting too, because now there's rumors that he could take less to go to the Lakers. That's something that you also touched on in your article. You know, there's also talk about Rudy Gay, Carmelo Anthony. Now that they have, you know, $120 million committed to their big three of LeBron, AD, and Russ, they have to kind of look for those bargain options to surround them. It's interesting because DeRozan made sense to me as someone before Westbrook was traded there. But now because Westbrook, you know, he he's limited as far as being a yeah. shooter. I wonder how that would fit if they did go after someone like DeRozan. You know, when you look at the Lakers and, and you know, their options for filling out the roster and DeRozan's free agency situation, what are you hearing on those? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I'm trying to poke around for some more info on DeMar right now as we speak, actually. Um, you know, it's definitely starting to sound like the situation of him going to Los Angeles on that mid-level is not going to be the case. Um, it's, it definitely seemed like there was a hope from – Lakers people and from you know, certain players in that organization uh, that he would be willing to. I mean, the the Kobe connection obviously is real. His hometown, um, the thought that maybe you can go again a championship for one year and 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 prove that you can you know really do it on that stage because um, you know Kyle Lowry got his ring in Toronto, obviously, and Demar Rosen did not, and he has never really you know gotten to the further stages of the postseason and, and had you know great success yet. So I think to, to get there with Los Angeles when you're 31, I mean, obviously, I, I think I think DeMar is an incredible player. What, what he's done, you know, quietly as a creator, I think he's been averaging, you know, well over eight assists a game for a long time now in San Antonio. Um, and he, he's something to watch. And I think at this point, you know, I would under, I, I think it's fair that the mid-level is something he might not be interested in. So I'm trying to poke around on that situation and get some more concrete, concrete info. But right now I can definitely say, I don't think it's a sure bet tomorrow is going to take that mid-level to go to Los Angeles. I think that was something that was something heavily discussed and rumored the last week or so. And now it does not seem to be the case. Yeah. And it's interesting if he doesn't go to LA, you know, you're mentioning the Knicks, they're not really popping up as a suitor. Uh, and who knows what they're going to do with that money. you know, obviously the Spurs, are the team with the second most money and maybe he resigns there. It doesn't seem like that it is very likely based on what we're hearing rumor wise. It seems like they're going more in a young direction. The Thunder don't really have a need for, you know, a, a veteran like that. You know, does that open up the door for someone like Miami or Memphis or, Charlotte, some of these teams that have, you know, significant cap space. Uh, Toronto also has significant cap space. It'll be interesting to see what happens with DeRozan if he doesn't, you know, yeah. end up 
going to the Lakers there. Um, I wonder if Toronto would be fascinating. I, yeah, I it would. Not at all. I mean, not to say not to say not to say that can happen because that could clearly be a covert situation that I have no knowledge of. But um, that'd be cool. I'd be I'd be a fan of that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's still a fan favorite favorite there. I think you know a lot of fans there love him. So could be could be interesting. Um, let's talk about Lonzo Ball because he's such a big name. Uh, he's obviously a very talented player, a lot of upside. Um, he just has so many fans too, and uh, I think there's a lot of people wondering what's going to happen with him. You know, does he stay in New Orleans? Uh, you wrote in your article that Chicago and Boston are are popping up as teams that are interested in him. What's the latest on Lonzo Ball, and what do you expect with that situation? I really do expect um, Lonzo to get a big offer sheet from Chicago. And I think it'll be interesting to see how quickly they do that because by all accounts, they have to move some money around to make that happen. They have to, I think, move Bill Thomas out of Ransky, um, and Thaddeus Young. That's what, you know, cat people on the league have told me. So I think in that regard, that's, you know, we have these, we have this window now before Monday at six where we've seen, you know, the Josh Richardson trade and option stuff pop up and whatnot. So the moves we see in the next like Goran Dragic's option, or I, I, if I get this exact terminology wrong, I apologize. You know, I'm a layman just like you. Mm-hmm. Um, not you, Alex. You listening, um, <laughs> Alex? You're a genius and an expert. Um, Thank you. I was um, waiting for that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so um, I lost my train of thought. But yeah. So oh, they, Dragic. Yeah, Goran Dragic. Yeah, his situation. So, so all these teams. Um, we're going to, we might, we might see some tips of what they think they think they can do these next, you know, 36 hours. If a little small yeah. trade happens, if a player's option gets declined or picked up. Um, so stuff like that, I think will be tips here on what could happen, but yeah. So the bulls potentially moving a, a Thomas Adoransky, for example, who apparently a lot of teams have interest in and, and they should, he's a, he's a really, you know, solid utility player in this league. So um, I, I think by all accounts, the bulls they want to go for Lonzo ball, uh, I think there's mutual interest there. You know, the Pelicans Bulls talked about that before the trade deadline. And I also think there's real interest in both sides between Derek Rose and Chicago having a reunion of sorts. You know, I, it was made very clear to me that the Bulls do not just have one point guard in mind. They want to bring in multiple point guards this summer to try to, you know, bring some real playmaking and ball handling juice to help Zach Levine to help carry this offense into the postseason because their two starters are a little bit defensively, uh, you know, disadvantaged right now. So I think they're going to lead into into offense. Well, and then Lonzo Ball, of course, ends up being a, a huge defensive aspect in that situation where he can guard one through three pretty damn well. He's only going to get better. He's a young athlete, long, has obviously some generational type instincts that made him the number two overall pick. So I think Lonzo is a perfect fit on paper in this you know current situation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you mentioned teams kind of showing their hand a bit with certain moves they're making. Do you think the Derek Favors trade to OKC was an example of that, where they're clearing that kind of you know cap flexibility so they can, you know, bring back a guy like Mike Conley? Uh, does it seem like Conley to Utah is or staying in Utah is going to happen? Yes, and I think that Derek Favors trade signaled that, as you said, um, they're definitely. Um, was a lot of effort by Utah to, to get off Derek Favors' salary by attaching the number 30 pick in this year's draft, which ultimately, you know, Memphis traded up to, to take. Um, and I think that's, you know, there was rumors about that and Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich because the Jazz ha- are facing difficulty here um, going up against the tax. You know, I talked to an agent of a player there um, who said, you know, there, there's a plan to really stash out the rest of that roster with veteran or minimum type guys 
to keep, you know, the flexibility to, to give a lot of money to their top, you know, real contributors. So that's the clear indication that the Jazz are there in full contention mode, right? I mean, they're the best, you know, record in the West last year. And, you know, they had their – Conley's going to have a big number. Donovan Mitchell already has a big number. Rudy, Rudy Gobert has a huge number. This is the type of stuff when you build teams around three expensive pieces. The captive gymnastics become, you know, all the more dangerous and, and, and the stakes get that much more higher. For sure. And then just to make sure we touch on him, because I know there's fans that are wondering, Chris Paul, it seems like he'll be back with the Suns. You reported that. Uh, I thought it was interesting in your article, you talked about the Pelicans really made a push for Chris Paul. I think that's pretty fascinating. Uh, Is there, I mean, can you kind of detail that situation with the Pelicans trying to pursue him? And we also heard the Lakers, you know, that was kind of their, their 1A option. And then eventually they realized that wasn't happening. So they moved on to Westbrook. That's at least, I think, what some people report. I think Eric Pincus uh, wrote about that as well. Um, can you kind of talk about Paul and, and the likelihood of him returning to Phoenix? So I can't say too much more than what I wrote. But what I can say is that, you know, pretty quickly after the season ended, and again, this is the business aspect of this league. Like sentimentality is not really there all the time right now. This is a cutthroat industry where people are dealing with, you know, the smallest margin of error when it comes to, um, you know, maximizing a cap sheet to build biggest roster you can to ultimately, you know, seal your legacy and win a championship and be able to make more money. So that's, that's the league we're in right now. So I think with, um, with all this stuff and especially with Kyle Lowry and New Orleans and Chris Paul, like getting guys of that magnitude, but also with the risk factor with the, of the age and how long they can go, those conflicting ideas, you know, in this negotiation, that, you know, that friction can provide, you know, a moment of doubt where potentially, you know, Chris Paul, yes, I think was, was, was eyeing, you know, the Lakers, obviously the connection with LeBron is real. And I think, you know, there, there hasn't, I mean, I can't really speak to conversations, but, the moves that New Orleans was 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 generate was was lining up to draw these connections to make an environment for Chris Paul to want to come there with you know Willie Green, um, you know with um, obviously you know they tried to trade him. I not obviously our board, you know they tried to trade for him before we got to Phoenix too. There's a clear interest there as well. And if you're trying to bring in Kyle Lowry to have the Chris Paul effect that yeah. he had in Phoenix, you know why not go for Chris Paul himself? So I think that's, you know, all, all, all that really needs to be said. You also wrote that Spencer Dinwiddie uh, could land with the Wizards in a signing trade that it, quote, seems likely. How did that come together? And, and I think that's an interesting fit. I know there was also, I think Michael Scotto of Hoopsype also wrote that, uh, you know, he feels like he could help try to recruit talent there and that he, you know, was eyeing that situation. So it seems like, you know, there's a lot of talk about Dinwiddie to, to Washington. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it it came really strong over the weekend. I know Sean Sharani and Fred Katz also reported it um, at the Athletic. Um, so it, it clearly got around the league and something that's been that's been rumored and talked about. But I'm not so sure if it's entirely happening right now. Um, you know, it, it doesn't sound like there's much interest from Brooklyn in this current state to take back Kyle Kuzma or Montrezl Harrell in a sign and trade. And that's hmm. the necessary piece that would have to happen. Um, you know, in order to have uh, Washington get, get spent to Dinwiddie at a number that is more than you know, the mid-level right now. Um, there's, I, I talked about it on Spotify's Green Room today with, with Mark Stein. Like, I do think there's some, there's some rumored offer out there about Spencer Dinwiddie to, or from Spencer Dinwiddie coming from Oklahoma City. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like there's much, you know, momentum there at this moment. 
Um, so I, I think that that I, I just I don't think that the, the book is shut and the chapter's closed on Spencer Dinwiddie to Washington, but I do still think there's absolutely mutual interest. Got it. We talked about Lonzo Ball. Uh, as far as the other restricted free agents go, you wrote that Jared Allen and John Collins are expected to resign with their respective teams as of right now. Are there any other restricted players that we should be keeping an eye on that you know could be on the move? I mean, Lonzo is restricted, of course. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker is a name that keeps coming up. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not saying this is, this is sourced in a sense that, um, you know, it's coming from the Thunder or the Lakers, but I had a cap guy. I, I talked to in the league, tell me that if he were the Thunder, he would sign Taylor Horton Tucker to a, a pretty expensive, um, uh, offer sheet that he didn't think the Lakers would be prepared to match hmm. something like a Jeremy Lin type deal that, that, you know, back in the day stole, uh, Lynn from the, from the Knicks to the Rockets, something like that, where there's no, you know, of course, there's no pressure with the, with the cap right now for the Thunder to pay him. And if you can steal him from, excuse me, the Lakers and in the, the, the Thunder vacuum in a sense of, you know, playing time and, and what have you and postseason pressure, if you can put up good numbers and produce, you know, maybe that presents an opportunity to move him later on uh, for, for future draft capital or for, or for something else. But that was something that, a cat person pitched me today, which I thought was interesting. Not, not again, not to say it's, that's going to happen and is being discussed and, and plotted by OKC, but it was it was it was an interesting thought. Yeah, you mentioned the Lynn move. I'm surprised we don't see more teams offer those poison pill contracts because it seems I know that's what the Rockets did to get Omar Sheik and, and Lynn. We also saw Tyler Johnson's contract was that way. I feel like that's such a advantage that teams that are pursuing a restricted free agent have. And you kind of put the the signing team into a bind because the way they have to make those payments is so much different. So I'm surprised we don't see that utilized more. You know, once those teams kind of found that. Uh, you would think that it would have, you know, become more popular that other teams would kind of take advantage. But that is very interesting. Um, I'm curious to see what happens because this, I think, you look at this class and some of the best players are restricted. Uh, those players typically, it takes longer for their situation to kind of get resolved. And um, but I'm curious if, you know, someone like Devonte Graham or Gary Trent Jr., Norm Powell, uh, or you know, I think Duncan Robinson. There's some of these guys that I could see, you know, teams throwing some big money at. So that's why I was asking that. Um, one one thing I want to ask you, you you also wrote about in that column a possible CJ McCollum for Pascal Siakam uh, trade. And there's been some buzz that since Toronto drafted Scotty Barnes, maybe Siakam is more available. Uh, there was already some rumors that even before that draft pick that he could be on the move. Now, you know, you wrote that teams are, are starting to gear up and think, okay, maybe they're really looking to move him. The, McColl the McCollum thing is interesting to me because we just talked about Damian Lillard has said the roster is not at a championship level, uh, he could demand a trade. So if you're the Blazers, you basically have to make him happy. And I'm not sure he's the best trade ship they have. So what's the latest on that CJ situation? And I think that, that you know, rumored trade is really interesting. And that's actually, we did an article about possible Siakam destinations. Uh, Nikias Duncan and Jackson Frank did that for us. And that was one of the ones on there. So to see that was actually discussed, it makes yeah. a lot of sense for both sides, I think. Yeah, it, it was definitely discussed, but again, as I wrote, it, it, it didn't really gain any serious traction, but it seems like something that, that might make sense down the road being that if it was discussed um, and, and it seems pretty clear why both teams would do it, you know, potentially I could go back to the table. I think that's typically how deals get done. Like like the Al Horford, Kemba Walker trade, for example, you know, I, I'm sure Oklahoma City and Boston discussed that you know, at, at least once at the, at the trade deadline, you know, potentially, you know, they, they, they you know, you can't trade during the end of the Lego season, but maybe just in calls and catching up and whatever. These guys just like to call their friends who work with other teams and catch up and talk hoop, right? So maybe in those conversations, just 
the Al Horford Kemba framework continued to, to be discussed and you know snowballed from there. So potentially, you know, interest could always you know come back around. For sure, very interesting. Um, one, a couple more things here. I want to ask you about some of the Lakers players that you know could be on the way out now that they made that Russell Westbrook trade and don't have a ton of cap room. Um, Andre Drummond is someone that obviously they brought in through the buyout market. Uh, mm-hmm. I had Miran Fader on my podcast and she did a big feature with Andre and he talked about how, you know, he wants to change the way he's perceived and be in a winning situation. And that's going to be his top priority. It's kind of similar to the comments we heard from DeMar DeRozan. So, you know, that had some Laker fans wondering, okay, is he going to take less to stay in LA? Uh, you know, Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder is interesting because uh, now obviously with Westbrook there and with everything coming out that the Lakers prioritize bringing in a veteran point guard, uh, you know, it seems like he probably won't be back. Uh, and I'm not sure looking around the league, you mentioned New York could be an option for him there. You know, you look right. Maybe the Pelicans, if they miss out on some other players, but there aren't a ton of destinations that make a lot of sense when I look around the league for him. So I'm curious what happens with some of those Lakers players that might have to move on and find a home elsewhere. Yeah. And Alex Cruz, I think has several options. Um, so I'm curious to see how that dynamic unfolds as well. Um, I think the Lakers, We've seen this throughout the history of Los Angeles when they go big game hunting. They being the Lakers, you know, they they tend to hope and expect their role players to sit on the sidelines and wait. I remember speaking to Ryan Kelly for my book, not to be too much of a a plug here, but it just came to mind when you know the Lakers were trying to get LeBron back in 2014. Uh, They told Ryan Kelly, you know, wait it out. We had this deal framework. I forget what the numbers were, but let's say you know it's four million over two years. And if we get them, you know, we'll give you that. And if we don't, we'll give you five and because we'll reward you for being patient with us. They, they, I think they tend to do those types of agreements with players. So you know, it doesn't surprise me that, um, you know, they might be doing that with guys like Drummond, not to say he's a role player like that, but you know what I'm saying? Guys yeah. who are, you know, max level free agents. Um, and But then again, there's a risk. And back in those Lakers years, I remember Jody Meeks fled to Detroit, you know, not a huge name, but he got, he got like a four year, $20 million deal. And Kent, and Kent, Kent Bazemore left the Lakers before he went to the Hawks and became you know, a real role player on, on those, you know, playoff teams in Atlanta. So, you know, maybe that happened to Caruso here. Um, that's not to, I know he's a fan favorite. That's not to, you know, throw up the alarm bells for Lakers fans, but I, I think it's really a possibility. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious, uh, leading up to the draft, all the conversations with executives that, you know, uh, based on, you you know, your articles that you were having, but then also that our team, Matt Babcock, was, you know, talking to people every day. Everyone was saying, we're going to see a ton of trades and there's going to be, there's all this kind of uh, activity that's happening. I know you quoted one cap guy that said, you know, it could be the most uh, busy draft night ever as far as trades. I asked Matt, you know, why he, we, we did a draft show uh, through basketballnews.com and we were like reacting to every pick and every rumor. And as the night kind of went on, I asked Matt, why do you think we didn't see as many trades as we were kind of anticipating? And he said that he thought the Josh Giddy pick is what kind of shifted things that once he goes six, it kind of all these teams that thought they'd have to move up for their guy. Suddenly their guy was on the board. Do you think yeah. that's what happened? Is there, and what are you hearing from teams as far as why we didn't see those fireworks? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, there, there were a couple, there were a bunch of trades. There were a lot. And then that's maybe true, yeah. They, mer- they weren't like as flashy, like the, the trades weren't happening in the top 10, right? There was one trade in the lottery. It was Memphis moving up to 10. And I actually was talking about that with someone today, a, a cap guy I talked to. He was just saying like, you know, there weren't that many trades in the lottery, but there still were a ton in the late first, in the early second, in the late second. Um, so 
I, I don't know where it stands in terms of the record um, in, in the most trades in, in league history, but it definitely seemed to be a little bit dizzying for me. I mean, at a certain point, I kind of stopped checking on, you know, what are the protections on this pick? Because I was like, all right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's catch our breath here. Um, yeah, I couldn't keep up either doing it on the draft show. It was it was it was kind of crazy. And then you're right. There wasn't there was also trades beforehand. Like we, mm-hmm. we tend we tend not to think about those as draft trades, but they're happening, you know, an hour or two before the draft, you know, and there was tons of rumors. But like that's when we kind of saw the Westbrook trade, the, hats, the, Rubio the, trade. the hats don't help. Yeah, no. At all. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess there, you're right. There were more trades than expected. But, um, yeah, the lottery trades, I think maybe that explains why there were more lottery trades, the giddy pick and teams that were thinking, hey, our guy's not going to be there. All of a sudden he is. So that that makes sense. Uh, I do. You mentioned your book. I do want to talk to you about your book because, uh, again, I'm a big fan of everything that you do. Uh, it's been great seeing you venture into the reporting side of things and, you know, breaking rumors. But uh, I, I really fell in love with your stuff in the beginning when you were doing features. And then I think this book, too, is, is fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Now, I've I've always said in this podcast, anyone that listens knows, I'm super intimidated uh, about the book process. I think it's so scary. You mentioned you did 300 interviews. How did approaching this book, you know, how did it compare and contrast to, you know, doing some long form articles that you've done in the past? And, and what was yeah. your whole process? Yeah, I think, you know, Pete Thamel was a great um, mentor to me at Sports Illustrated. He's a really great college football and basketball reporter. He's now since moved to Yahoo Sports. Um, he always told me, like, you got to be working on something big. Like, you got your day job, you got your, you know, checking around the league, whatever, whatever. And I did it. Like, my day job back at Sports Illustrated was not to be a reporter. I mean, I did make calls and tried to find information and stories and what have you, but that was not what, what the day job was. I was I was on the night desk there. Um, but being at the, on that night desk, like you had a lot of opportunities, um, to sit when you were sitting there just watching games and, you know, keeping a pulse on the league or, you know, there's nothing going on. So you could go check out, you know, the Nets game and hang out pregame and talk to people and what have you, and then go back to the office later on. Um, so from there, like the big project, there were little things like the Kendrick Perkins oral history I did like that thing on the history of shooting mechanics with Lonzo Ball or did a bunch of reporting on uh, the FBI college basketball scandal like stuff like that. And, you know, other profiles, like I profiled Nick Nurse um, before um, that 2018, 19 season when they won the championship, I flew to Toronto and, and went to his office and all that type of stuff. Um, and like from there at a certain point, I wanted the bigger project to be something more real and, and, and more valuable um and the book became the idea and being so close to inkies sixers covering yeah. them the ballers and i was also in school at the time for a big portion of that you know coming up at slam magazine as an intern and you know sticking around there for a couple of years and interning at si and sticking around and um you know being from philly and covering that and with boston you know be, being there and going to td garden every night like i felt like i was in the eye of the tanking hurricane, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of was a great way to sum up all the reporting I've done. Like I had a lot of that, me, the meat of that story, just from things I'd heard over the years and then just, you know, made a couple more calls on it and cutting a couple more calls on it and a couple more calls on it. And all of a sudden you have this scene of like a conversation on the bench between six people and you talk to all six people and you can like recreate it, you know, in, in, in detail. It's pretty cool. So it was a pretty rewarding experience and I'm, I'm happy this one has done seemingly good enough. I think hopefully 
uh, to be able to, to do another. So if people are interested after talking about this, please, you can get a copy anywhere books are sold, uh, Amazon, bookshop.org, Barnes and Noble, my publisher, Triumph. Um, yeah, that's my show. Yeah, we'll put a link in the uh, description too. So you guys can definitely check that out because, uh, you know, everything that Jake does, it's really high quality stuff. Again, you talked about interviewing 300 people. I mean, you did the work and, and uh, I, I, I want to ask you too about like just the, take, the tanking era. We saw the NBA kind of change things a bit. For a while, my argument was always when people were upset about the tanking and everything, I was like, okay, well, the NBA incentivizes it. They have this, you know, if you're an NBA executive, it makes sense that you'd want to lose more games and, and you know, why wouldn't you? So now the fact that they kind of changed the way that the lottery, uh, you know, odds are, are, uh, divvied out. I think uh, it it does incentivize it less. But do you think we could we'll see another you know big tank like the Sixers? I mean, I don't think we'll see one that's quite so bold and uh, openly tanking like what the what the Thunder are doing right now. Obviously, is stockpiling draft picks, but they still have been pretty competitive and they're not calling it a tank or you know anything like that. But you know, where do you think the tanking era goes next, or what what happens next as far as NBA tanking? Well, you know, I think one thing that came from this era that is in the book between 2012 and 2016 is I, I think taking played a big factor in player empowerment. When all these franchises basically went to these players and said, you are so good, even at 19 years old, we're going to lose games on purpose for years and years just for the chance at being able to draft you Yeah, and hope we can resign you and hope we can resign you again and hope we can find other players that are complimentary to you. When you tell, when you basically tell that person all that based on your actions and by your words as well, how does that not then further influence these players to think if I don't want to be here anymore, I'm so good. I can force my hand to go anywhere I want because I am James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, you know, to bring it back to today's current conversation. So I think you know, in that regard, at, at this point in, in the league, like what Sam, what Sam Presti is doing in Oklahoma City, I think is, is very close to what Sam Hinkie was being accused of. And I'm not to say that to say that that's anything wrong. I, I think it's it's you know a, a fashion of the league's rules, and for people to call it like blasphemous to what you know the morals of basketball are. Like the NBA is not basketball. Like I know I don't want to sound you know highfalutin in this conversation, but like the NBA is a business, and they yeah. are these competing multi-billion-dollar organizations that have very strict financial rules in that game. And the Thunder is using one aspect of the rules to their advantage, which, sure, it it might you know turn people off and turn some customers off, but you know the pandemic was real in a lot of you know economic aspects too, as much as interpersonally. And I think that's something that if you can duck under the tax for a couple of years in a market like Oklahoma City, and then when you're ready to, when after you've saved up, you've got this core of guys worth a lot of fucking money. If, excuse me, if that's a, no worries, you know, like then then you have then you're ready to because you know the playoff money and the revenue is going to come soon too. So I, I think that's fair. And you know, if the league is a business and it's also an entertainment business, then the Thunder being something for you and I to talk about is good for the league. Like it's good for the league. Hanky's process years was good for the league. The fact that the worst team in the league was creating as much news as the best team in the league that season, the Warriors, that 73 and nine team in 15, 16, they were the best team ever. And it was like a big deal that they were losing headlines to Hanky Sixers. That is parody. Like if there's, if, if that's anything, that is parody. 
Yeah, well said. I think it, I remember years ago, Doc Rivers, this is probably in, you know, 2007, maybe or around that era at that time. He basically said uh, the NBA will some we need to get to the point where we are the top number one or number two story on SportsCenter every single night. Uh, even if there's not a big game or something crazy happening. And he's like, that's what the NFL is. And that's when you know you really have made it. And, and you're right. You know, the, the the Sixers became this huge national story. And for a losing team, it's better than irrelevance. Uh, I totally agree with you. You know, there's, I think the problem with the Sixers tank, and we don't have to get all deep into this, you know, we'll wrap up here in a second. But I think it's that, they didn't give Sam, Sam Hinkie long enough. Uh, and they basically said, hey, we're all on the same page here. We all agree. And then all of a sudden, things got a little bit tough and ownership and everyone kind of bailed. When you need uh, to be a united front when you're doing something like that. And that's why Sam Presti, what he's doing in OKC, he has the job stability to do it. He has the track record where everyone trusts he's going to nail these draft picks and do a good job. He has, you know, the support from the public even. So he he's going to be able to do a great job. And I think Sam Hinkie was missing some of those key factors uh, and also, you know, I know he alienated some agents and things like that. And and maybe they should have brought in a few more veterans to have around that team. There's there's little things you could talk about, but I totally agree with you. I think that was really well said. And I'm excited to see what the Thunder's process turns into, quote unquote process, you know, mm-hmm. where it goes from here. Uh, but Jake, I want to thank you for taking time to join me here. Uh, again, your stuff has been fantastic. Everyone, make sure you're following Jake on Twitter at Jake L. Fisher. Make sure you guys pick up Built to Lose, how the NBA's tanking era changed the league forever. It will be in the description here so make sure you guys go pick that up and jake thanks for your time i appreciate it thank you for having me man and uh i hope to see you in vegas or something soon down the line for sure yeah we gotta catch up out there absolutely and uh go go break some big news this week i want you to get one of the biggest free agents i want it to be you uh i'm pulling for you uh hopefully uh hopefully i'm I'm, I'm aggregating decent scoops i'm just trying to cover the league earnestly and honestly and bring some stories of of note to the public that might not be getting out there otherwise so that's kind of where i'm at right now we're doing a great job with it. Again, make sure you guys follow him at Jake L. Fisher. And if you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thanks for listening.